You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConforta. Back for, an- <clears throat> Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, along with Brian Baldinger. Of course, our man Jason Lockon for a part of this podcast as well. Baldy, we're doing something a little bit different this week, right? We're, we're taking questions from all of our viewers around the country, around the world, yep. and saying, hey, send us your questions. We're going to answer them, all right? It's our mailbag, and so we, we've pulled about five or six questions that we're going to chop up here today and, and have some fun with. But before we get started, we got to talk about the NFL putting out its policy on gambling for players. And there were basically six rules that they talked about, and I just kind of want to go over this, and then I want to get your opinion okay. on it, Baldy, because we know, being around the league, you know, listen, you shouldn't be gambling on games. But basically the league said this, and this came out Tuesday. Don't bet on the NFL. Duh. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Don't have someone else bet for you. Don't share team inside information. Again, duh. Don't enter a sports book book during the NFL playing season. And don't play daily fantasy football. Now, they're saying You can play, but if there's gambling involved, which there usually is, and I think there was a certain amount up to like $250. I think it's like $250. I think it's $250, Carl. Yeah. Then then they don't want you, obviously, involved. So, Baldy, those are the six primers for the NFL that they sent out and they talked about the other day. What did you think? Well, I mean, I – like, I've been listening to this memo for years now, working for for the league and for the NFL, and I respect the policy. I just thought it came off as being kind of smug. Like they're almost like talking down to these these kids. These players are kids and they're on their phones all day and they're hanging out at the facility after practice, whatever. And they're putting some action on games now, like they're getting penalized for it. And I understand it. Um, And and part of it is, okay, somebody's got to be the example. But like it's almost like they're they're saying it like after the fact, like they turn the TV on and all they see is advertisements for gambling houses and you know, what DraftKings, whatever it might be, FanDuel, like all these different points bet. Like, I, I mean, we all kind of know the names of them. And the league seems fine with taking money and action from all this. Terry Bradshaw's giving out a million dollars for something on points bet during the season. Like, I understand it's a big part of today's income streams. But I, I just don't think the players – Understood it, first of all. Clearly, they didn't understand it, even though it was out there. It, clearly, they didn't understand it. It wasn't like – I didn't feel like any of the players in Detroit or Atlanta or wherever 
were being defiant, openly defiant to the league. I, I didn't feel that. I felt like it was really misunderstood. Now, gambling on games should be magnified. Sure. Like that, that, okay. Like, but you know, action on the Final Four or baseball game or NBA, like I thought it was pretty gray in what the rules really were. Now I, I understood it because I I I, li- I listened to it every year at the league, our media summits and all that kind of stuff. So I, I understand it, but I'm I'm a lot older. I'm not 21 years old sitting around <laughs> on my phone and you know, I got DraftKings on my phone. Like I, I just felt like there should be a little more understanding from the league about what's happened. And and now you 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 come out and you really clarify it for these kids. Yeah, and I'm with you. Listen, I think the gray area has to do with the other stuff. I think most guys in the league know they're not gambling on their own games. That's stupid. You're going to get caught. That's that's irrelevant. But it is the other stuff that I don't think they had clarity on. And what I mean by that is a lot of these guys, you said it, they've been playing fantasy football for years before they got in the league. And now they're in the league and their friends are like, yo, you know, are you going to play? And and they don't know what the rules were. And and so, t- again, to clarify for our listeners and, and our viewers, these guys can bet on other sports, just not during the football season. They don't want you in a casino. Or in their facility. Or in their facility, because that, it looks suspicious, guys. Yeah. It just does. You know, if, if you saw Patrick Mahomes going into, you know, Caesars, uh, you know, before the Raiders game, you'd be a little bit suspicious. So that that is what they're trying to avoid um, and, and make sure that there's integrity. And, and I'm all for that. But I also think when you talk about how this was presented, Baldy, it was, you know, a, a kind of a pointing a finger at guys, right? It was, you better, you better, you better. Yeah. And, and, and that's how that kind of came off for me. That's, how, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it felt smug. And I just felt like, like none of these kids want to be suspended. None of them want to miss games right. or miss time. And it's clear they are because they misunderstood what the league seemed to be taking that they should already know. And like even like myself the other day, Carl, I'm in a casino and I'm just having dinner, you know, with some friends and I'm in a casino. And a friend of mine is a bartender in a sports book in this casino. And I, I, all I want to do is just go say hello. You know, like, hey, I haven't seen him in a while. Just say hello. I know his mother. Like, I felt nervous just going. I, I, I wasn't putting – I wasn't even looking at the board. You know, what right, right. games were up there or anything. Honestly, I was just going to say hello. I didn't even get a drink, Carl. I just went and said hello to the kid, you know, because I know him. And so, like, but I was like, man, like, I know I'm not supposed to go into the sports book. But that's how I it, – it, that's – that's me now. That's after years and years of hearing this. I, but I, there's no kid in in these teams, you know, and you got a team in Las Vegas and all it is is gambling all the time. Like, like I understand the conflict of interest completely. I just felt like there could have been a little bit more understanding from the league standpoint about obviously a misunderstanding between the players. Now you want to clear it up, clear it up. But at the same time, like, all right, you know, like these kids, like they, I just felt like they were talking down to him. Like you should have known better, something like that. Baldy, I'll tell you one other thing. 
And then we're going to get to the mailbag, guys. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us. We're on YouTube. You can watch us there as well now. Um, the, the funny thing is, I think the, the real danger, and this is something I don't think the average fan thinks about, a lot of these guys are friends. And if I am friends with, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence, and I played with Trevor at Clemson, and now we're both in the league, or we played against each other. And I call Trevor game week and say, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? And Trevor tells me, bro, my shoulder's killing me. I've been fighting through this thing. And then that player, right, takes that information, and that's what they're talking about inside information, sure. whether it be your own team or another team and there's yeah. a real danger in that with a guy going yeah man I, I hear you i've been fighting injury too and then he tells one of his teammates just nonchalant hey man you know i talked to my boy trevor he's he's dealing with some real shoulder pain that turns into somebody potentially trying to make some money on what may happen on sunday and that's what we get we get back to that integrity thing that inside information baldy for me is probably the biggest thing that i, I would be concerned about no, no doubt. No doubt. Because that leads directly to um, influence, influencing the action on a particular game. So, yes, like, to me, that that stuff, you know, like that has to be emphasized. And we used to have and I know they still do. But like, I mean, when I was in the league, Carl, we always had the security team of the NFL make their rounds through training camp. Day three, day four, they came in and they told us the do's and don'ts. And they were pretty adamant about it. But, you know. I feel like it, it has to be even this conversation right here that we're having, Carl, needs to be had in every single team's facility with everybody, all 90 players. Because, you know, there's guys on a practice squad. They don't travel. They're home on Sundays. You know, what are they going to do? They're going to watch their team's games. They're watching the games. They're hanging out with friends. Like, you know, they know they got to be at the facility on Monday for whatever. But like, you know, we're talking about extended teams now with the practice squads and injury players and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, they, they have these outlets, like it's, it, 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 all the discussions have to be had before we kick off any games this year. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Baldy, let's get to the mailbag because this is something we've been looking forward to and been uh, waiting to get questions from all around the country, all around the world, as people listen to this podcast. And we appreciate you guys checking us out. One of the things that you've been getting a lot of, and it was one of the first questions we saw in our mailbag was, what if the Jets don't have playoff success? What does it mean for Robert Sala? Will he be fired? 
I don't know the answer, but I know the pressure's on to perform. And they, he has been given everything that a coach could ask for, whether it's elite, top-level young talent, or whether it's free agent signings, or whether it's the biggest player to move from one team to another in Aaron Rodgers. And if we want to look at Aaron Rodgers in the same scope as Tom Brady or Matt Stafford, those guys changed teams and won Super Bowls. They didn't just get right. to the playoffs. They won the whole thing, and they've got one in the bank as a result. So to me, that's kind of what the standard is. Nobody thought Tampa was going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. Brady elevated everybody around him. I don't think anybody thought Matt Stafford had that ability. Uh, although I think people thought Aaron Donald and, you know, Cooper Cup and Sean McVay, like, you know, Jalen Ramsey, like there were some pieces there. But I don't think anybody thought that they were going to go win a Super Bowl, especially when they had a midseason slump, lost three games in a row, turned the ball over, not good on third downs. They, it didn't look good, yet Stafford did it. And that's kind of where Aaron Rodgers is right now. Like he's in, okay, not only do you have to like, get to the playoffs, can you win a Super Bowl? Now, if you get to the playoffs, uh, I think his job is safe. But if they don't get to the playoffs, it would be hard to think that Robert Sala it would be back another year. Yeah. I, here's the crazy thing, though. I mean, like, we're not trying to fire anybody, guys, in June. No. All right? <laughs> but it is a valid question for Jets fans because the expectation has never been this high. Right? I mean, it, it's never been this high. So – whether it's winning the division, getting to the playoffs, or for that matter, just uh, finding a way to get to the AFC championship game. If all of that plays out, they'll be fine. Yeah. But if this is a seven and, you know, seven win football team, that 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 becomes the issue. And then you go, where are they going to go, Baldy? Where, where would the Jets go after that? And more importantly, is he coming back? Well, I mean, look, last year they were seven and four after beating Chicago at home. Uh, right there in the playoff picture, had beaten the Cleveland Browns in, in crazy fashion at the end of the game, beat the Buffalo Bills at their own game, and really ran the ball down their throats to secure the win at the end of the game. And then they didn't win another game after right. going 7-4. and four. And yeah. you go, well, I was just a quarterback. You know I mean? Zach Wilson couldn't stay healthy, and Joe Flacco was old, and, you know, you know all this stuff. And you go, okay, so here's the quarterback. Here we, We've just given you – an MVP caliber quarterback, all right? After, after you know, Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner were the rookies of the year on the offensive defense side of the ball. So, you know, and then, you know, here's free agency and here's the draft, bless you. You know, and here's a new shiny center, you know, and Joe Tipman, et cetera. All right, now, all right, let's 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 take that seven and four record and let's get you to the playoffs. I mean, I just, I, I do feel like that has to be the bare minimum for Robert Solo this year. And I, you know, if Robert was on this podcast with us, we'd I, say the same thing. I, I, I'd say the same thing to Robert. Yeah. Hey, Robert, look, bare minimum, you know, you change the offense coordinator, change the offense line coach, got yourself a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, isn't this what it's all about? Winning playoff games right now. You know, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I do too. All right. Let's get to the next question in our mailbag, guys. It is in the huddle. Uh, a Falcons offensive line question, which is interesting. Uh, they were third in the league in rushing last year, for those folks who don't know, um, but they didn't make the playoffs. But I think they're trying to improve on that by drafting Bijan Robinson. The question is, who should you be watching 
or who should we know on the offensive line for the Atlanta Falcons? Um, long-term, obviously, Jake Matthews has been there at their left tackle. But, Baldy, you tell me what you think about this O-line and who, sh- who should people know on this O-line? Well, I think Jake Matthews right now has, like, a pretty good streak going of consecutive plays played over a number of years right now. So he's steady. I think, um, you know, Caleb McGarry just got re-upped or extended, okay? Lindstrom had already had that done, the right guard. Uh, Drew Dahlman's the center, solid player. I just think, you know, we should get to know Matt Bergeron. Mm. He was the rookie uh, second-round pick out of Syracuse. I mean, I went and studied him at Syracuse. He was a left tackle there, and he was a really solid player. I don't know how many. He started at least three straight years, maybe 40-something games at Syracuse. But, you know, he's he's moving into left guard, and and maybe eventually he he goes back out to tackle. But he looked like a plug-and-play left guard to me. It looked like a big hole to fill last year. Um, I think if Matt Bergeron can come in and play really well between Matthews and Dahlman, I mean, that'd be a guy that, you know, I'm going to be watching early on in how he performs um, going up against some of the elite, you know, you know, going up against Derek Brown in Carolina yeah. and Vita Vea in Tampa. I mean, just some of the guys he's got beast. to deal with in his own division. <laughs> you know, I want to see how he performs. Yeah. Big, big beast is who he's going up against. Those, yeah. those guys are monsters. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest, man. I saw Derek Brown last year just throw guys out of the way, like literally, you know, and rem- reminiscent of of Reggie White. And I know we've talked about Reggie and your time in Philly, just literally grabbing a guy on one arm and just throwing him out of the way. And I'm like, this guy's incredible. So you're right. He's going to be challenged early on. And I will say this, too, about Bergeron. Um, Lindstrom, I talked to Chris Lindstrom about this, and he mm-hmm. was saying – in mandatory mini camp and even in, in the rookie camp, they were watching him. They like that. The other O-linemen like what they're seeing. They're not going to yeah. make the decision about who starts and all that stuff, obviously, but they were hinting like this dude's got it. He, he's got what it takes. So I'm with you, Baldy. I'm kind of curious, but a great question there about the Atlanta O-line and, and it's going to, you know, dictate their run game guys. And, and we'll see how good they are. Let's talk about the Colts. I thought last year for Jonathan Taylor was a disappointing year, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure all the things that were going on there. We know about the dysfunction with the coaching staff and all that stuff that happened. But the question from uh, the mailbag is about the Colts offensive line, Baldy. And what do you think about that old line? Remember, they drafted Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. We don't know how soon he'll start and all of that. But my thing is, like, Jonathan, is Taylor going to get back to what we thought he was? Well, I mean, look, there was not a bigger Quentin Nelson fan in this league than me. I mean, his first three years, like, he was writing a ticket, like literally to the Hall of Fame, yeah. the way he played. And then he, whatever reason, whether it was health or um, weight or what, I don't know what it was, but he was not good last year. He wasn't anywhere near what he was like his first two and maybe three years in the league. And then well, Ryan was, Kelly, was he injured? You know, he had some ankle issues, and I don't know like how much it affected him. Um, but he did not play well. He, he did not move the line of scrimmage the way he had. He did not dominate guys in front of him. He didn't make players around him better. He had a rookie left tackle, um, Bernard Ryman, um, you know, that st- stepped in at some point during the season to play. They hadn't really fixed that left tackle position since Eric Fisher left. They've tried a lot of different guys there, Matt Pryor, all these different guys. Um you know, and Ryan Kelly at center did not play well. Ryan Kelly's first-round pick. Um, and, 
He was part of a line that was elite for a couple of years when Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing. That was an elite group. Braden Smith at right tackle was an elite player. Um, and he went, so none of them really played well last year. So to me, if, if Indianapolis is going to turn this franchise around, it's going to start with the offense line. You talk about Anthony Richardson and, and all the, the talent that he has. Um, it's got to start up front. And when they were a playoff team and people said they were just a quarterback away from making a deep playoff run, people looked at the offense line and big Q at left guard and Jonathan Taylor. And they's like, this is the pieces, yep. you know, and then DeForest Buckner on defense and, you know, Shaq Leonard and all the guys they had on defense was there, but really that was the foundation to this team. And that kind of blew up last year. So to me, like I'm, I can't wait to go watch big Q at left guard to see if he regains his form of what he once was like. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was setting the pace to your point about how to play that position and, and just be dominant at, at the guard position. And I think Baldy, they, at the time, didn't they make him the highest paid guard in yeah. the league? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, he, they, they extended him. And rightfully so. Like he had earned that extension in that type of, and he's not a guy that, you know, anybody that knows Quentin, like it's because he got a bigger check. Yeah, like he wasn't like sitting back and, um, you know, relaxing. That's just not his style. So he needs to get back to his form where he was a feared left guard, maybe the most feared left guard in this league. No doubt. All right, let's continue with the mailbag, guys. We're just running down questions, and we'll do this, uh, you know, once a week. We're going to start doing this and leading up to camp. And once we get to camp, then we're going to be making our rounds, and, and we'll be talking about a variety of things that really matter towards getting ready for the season. Um. Who has the most pressure on them at quarterback? The question comes in our mailbag this season. What quarterback has the most pressure on them? Obviously, Mahomes is a Super Bowl winner. He has no pressure, right? I mean, he's we we expect him to be great. Maybe Lamar with the new deal to 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 kind of come through. Um, I think any any time a quarterback gets a new deal, there is extra added pressure. But I'm looking at this question, Baldy, and I'm going, Dak Prescott, right? Dak? I well, mean, 15 interceptions? Up. I mean, let's let's look at this. He did lead the league in interceptions for the first time. I mean, it, it was out of character, but he had a number of bad ones, and he had some in the postseason, too, um, you know, which really cost him two against San Francisco in a playoff loss where they didn't score a touchdown. Right. And the 49ers have been their nemesis in the playoffs two years in a row. The Dallas Cowboys, I saw this graphic. It's not mine, so I, I I wish I could credit the person who put it out there, but it was pretty alarming. Since 2000, the Dallas Cowboys, largely with Tony Romo and with Dak Prescott, have won four playoff games since 2000. The Arizona Cardinals. 23 years? In 23 years now, they've won four playoff games. The Arizona Cardinals have five playoff wins. The Carolina Panthers have eight playoff wins. The Cowboys are stuck almost at the bottom with four playoff wins since 2000, since 2000. So to say that Dak Prescott has got pressure on him, I mean, <laughs> I played in Dallas. You're always going to get measured against Roger Staubach. I played with Danny White, Gary Hogboom, different guys. They got measured against Roger. Fair or not fair, it's just Dallas. Yeah. Uh, anybody that followed Troy Aikman got compared to Troy Aikman. Um 
right or wrong. It's just it's just the standard in Dallas. And it's and it's you know, it's like that in Green Bay for Jordan Love, you know, to to follow Bart, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, like there's a standard. So I feel like you're not wrong, Carl. Like you can say Dak, he's got a, you know, the coordinator's gone, head coach now calling the plays. Um, there's been a huge investment in wide receivers. Brandon Cooks is back, is in. Um, you know, the offensive line has been addressed. Uh, you know, defensively, nobody in this league has taken the ball away more than the Dallas Cowboys in the last two years to give the ball back to the offense for extra at-bats. I, I feel like you. I feel like Dak Prescott, all right, he got hurt last year, missed games, all right. Yeah. But you know, you know, Cooper came in and won four games in a row. He did he did his job. He, you know, he held serve. And so, so I feel you're right. I feel like all eyes, they, they're the most popular franchise. Nobody, uh, you either love them or hate them. Uh, <laughs> it's the most important franchise in our entire industry, the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones knows that. So, yes, it's it's time for Dak to step up and ball out. Yeah, Baldy, I thought last year. As we go through these questions, guys, in our mailbag, who has the most pressure on them at quarterback? I thought last year he, <clears throat> not the entire season, but he was pressing at the end. Like the mistakes started to mount, and I felt like he was pressing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we watch some of these other guys, uh, and this is why I think there's still some doubts about Dak and whether he can get them over the top. But when you watch some of the other guys, when they make mistakes, okay, even Jalen last year, who had an amazing season and leads the Eagles to the Super Bowl, when he did make mistakes, it was over. Like he didn't press and you felt like he came back out and he was going to make the right reads and he wasn't just like, ah, I got to get it there. And then he throws into to, to, uh, uh, in the coverage. And I felt that way when I watched Dak last year at the end of the season. And then they go into that San Francisco game and we talked about it. I mean, it was – uh, you know, that San Francisco defense. But but do you agree? Did you feel that when you watched him as the season progressed? Once he came back, he made plays, but but there were times where I just felt like, do I trust him in this moment? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you remember the game down in Jacksonville. I mean, they got a comfortable two-touchdown lead in that game, and he throws a horrible interception. Like, he's under pressure. He's in the pocket. He's stepping up. I guess he's trying to get it to Dalton Schultz, and there's Rayshon Jenkins. Pick six, right? Terrible interception. Now, the one at the end of the game in overtime, like that was, you know, that's a drop. It's not on Dak. But, you know, the quarterback, you know, he's got to shoulder that. You you look at Washington at the end of the season, and he's throwing these balls to the sideline late in his progression, and the ball's just dying out there. It's just a wounded quail, and it's getting picked off. And so – I do think, I, you know, and, and look, I, you know, Mike, Mike McCarthy came in. They sat down. They watched them all. Like, you don't sit, go down and sit and watch all the interceptions. Like, I think Eli Manning led the league in interceptions one year. Yeah. And he did that. He went back, and Tom Coughlin and him, they, they addressed it. Like, I, I think it's important to address it. What he saw, what he felt, why he did it. Like, I, I, I do think there's a learning that can come from the mistakes. Maybe not to like not make those mistakes again. That that's kind of a given. But like, what what was it that made you make those throws? And what do we need to do to make sure we take those out of your game and to eliminate those from your game? Because he's not been a guy that has thrown a lot of interceptions in his career. You know, uh, you can you can say that big games he hasn't played great, but it's interceptions hasn't been a big part 
of uh, things that you could say about Dak until last year. And so uh, I think him and Mike probably, you know, have figured a lot of it out uh, by this point, getting ready for the season. And, you know, obviously you miss a month after, you, you know, you, the off season and injuries have been a part of it, the broken ankle and the, you know, the injury last year, like that stuff is, you know, those things kind of start to mount because really you kind of just want to line up and play 17 every year right now. All right, Baldy, a couple of more before we get out of here. In the huddle, guys, subscribe, like us, tell your friends about us. We're on YouTube as well. You can watch there as we break down all things NFL each and every week. New episodes come out Tuesday and Thursday, usually, unless there's breaking news. Um, Jordan Love, he got my attention this week. Well, last week with the Father's Day post where he goes, hey, Chicago, happy Father's Day. <laughs> go, Pack, go. And everybody's like, whoa. And I'm thinking, Baldy, you're not Aaron Rodgers, bro. You don't own Chicago yet. You haven't won that much to be making fun of Chicago to that degree. If that was Aaron Rodgers, I'd laugh because he owned them. But the question from the mailbag is about Jordan Love. And he seems to be confident. But the question is about what is your uh, what's your opinions on Jordan Love taking over for Aaron Rodgers? And will he be successful he seems a little bit cocky to me. <laughs> that is what the question is. What do you take? What do you make of it, Baldy? Well, his teammate Jair Alexander, you know, came to his defense and said, "Best quarterback in the league, whatever." I mean, just hyperbole <laughs> at this point. I mean, yeah. just watch Aaron Rodgers. You know, since he's coming to this league, you know, play the position as well as anybody. So, like, I don't know what to think, honestly. Like, they don't look like a very good team around Jordan Love. Now, the good ones elevate players, and maybe Christian Watson. Kind of, you know, at one point, like he had like nine touchdown catches in five weeks and he went on a tear last year. And it might, might have started against the Philadelphia Eagles when Jordan Love actually got a chance to play. It looked good in the fourth quarter against the Eagles. Baldy, let um, me ask you real quick. Do you think they, they rely more on Aaron Jones this year? Well, that, that would be smart. I mean, Aaron Jones has 60 touchdowns in the last six years. I mean, he guy's been an elite player. Um, he's up there against with anybody that's played the position, you know, and um, AJ Dillon, like that's a good one, two punch. Uh, you know, they drafted a tight end Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs. I mean, you know, we've got some young receivers. Um, you know, the, the defense was awful last year. And I right. think at one point I counted seven number one draft picks on that defense. Yeah. They didn't play well as a group. They didn't, they didn't play well. I mean, they gave up 380 yards rushing to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, it was ugly. Um, they ran the same plays against him over and over and over again. I mean, Rashawn Gary coming back will help that front, um, provide he comes back healthy. You know, it was a big loss when he went down. But, you know, I want to see, you know, we're going to learn a lot about the coach. You know, we put the coach up in an upper echelon. You know, that's with Aaron Rodgers. Matt and so now we see Jordan Love with what a, a wide receiving core that looks awfully young, awfully inexperienced. Yet it's his core. It's his team. So I would expect that Jordan Love will get better. I hope he gets better as the season goes along. Now, I saw him play his only start in the league. It was in Kansas City his rookie year. They didn't score a touchdown that day. He could have gotten uh, the ball 100 times. They weren't scoring. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he wasn't ready yet. Right. So he's had years to watch and learn. Um, I remember talking to his college coach, Matt Wells, who coached him at Utah State. And Matt said when he was drafted, 
Now, they're going to fall in love with his arm, Baldy, and they're going to get fall in love with his talent, but he's not ready to play. He, he needs he needs time to sit and to learn. Well, he's gotten that. And so the talent is there. The arm is very, very good. In fact, when you watch him play, Carl, it, it, you know, whether it's preseason, fourth quarter against the Eagles, even against Kansas City, like you'll see a lot of things that remind you of Aaron. I mean, mm. just the way he takes a snap, drop back, like the release is elite. All that. Now, it comes down to decision-making, you know, handling pressure, reading defenses, like all that stuff we have. He's got to go prove it to us. And um, it helps if everything around him is good. Now, we'll see if Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and, you know, the the offensive line can stay healthy. They've had trouble doing that. That will help them. Uh, But I'm like everybody else. I just want to sit back and, and watch. I want to see a kid progress. I want to see a kid, you know, when I saw him at a scrimmage against the Jets two years ago, he looked pretty good in a scrimmage. But, you know, it's, games are different. Um, if I would say this to, to Jordan, like, you know, I would throw zip it, throw away the key, talking about any team out there. There's just no – like, just let your play do the talking and um, surprise everybody because I don't think anybody is put, picking the Packers to be a playoff team to win the division, like none of that. Detroit beat them twice last year. Like I don't think anybody's picking them, but it would be it would be a quite a shock and awe if the Packers are in a a fight for the playoff division um, and the division in December this year. All right, last thing, Baldy, and this is an interesting question in our mailbag: Who is the best running back in the NFL? Who? So. Look, I, I did a piece on Josh Jacobs last year, uh, this past week. I don't know, 800,000 people watched it, the views or whatever, whatever that is. Um, Josh Jacobs chimed in, thanks for the love, Baldy. Like, he was, he led the league in rushing. He was elite. Um, Derrick Henry has won this rushing title a number of times. Yeah. But when I watched Nick, and, you know, there's Dalvin Cook, and there's, Brees Hall looked really good for seven weeks. Like, I could go through the list. Christian McCaffrey was extraordinary in San Francisco. But when I watched Nick Chubb in, in Cleveland, I went back and watched this, and he's dedicating his season to the late, great James Jim Brown. Yeah. So, And I go, that's scary. Because he's the only running back I have seen, outside of Jamal Charles, that has averaged five yards or greater a carry for five straight years in a row. Like Emmett Smith didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Barry Sanders didn't do it. Like you just go through the list of running backs. Adrian Peterson didn't do it. The list of great running backs, Barry Sanders, like none of these guys did it. Now, Jamal Charles did it. But, you know, one year he had like 12 carries or whatever, you know, he got hurt. Um, there's only one Nick Chubb. Like, and, and and you watch teams try to tackle that guy. And you go, man, if Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper and these guys do what yeah. they're supposed to do, Yep. Behind a pretty darn good offensive line, and maybe the best left guard in football in Joel Batonio. Um, he might very well lead the league in rushing. It might be six years in a row where he's averaging over five yards a carry. Remember now, five, four yards a carry is like the is the standard. Like if you can average four, like you're you're there. If you get to four and a half, you're elite. He's averaged five yards or greater. Five straight years in a row. And he doesn't look like he's slowing down. I watch him on this, like a lot of us do on social media, 
work out and train. Yeah. Like 230 plus pounds. He's not Derrick Henry big, but he's Derrick Henry strong. Strong, yes. Derrick Henry fast, Derrick Henry powerful. So it's hard for me to put anybody above Nick Chubb at this point right now, what he's done. The initial contact with Nick Chubb, it was this way when he was at Georgia. And people forget he had a horrific knee injury at Tennessee while he was playing running back at Georgia and came back off of that injury. And I think he's better and stronger than he ever has been. I think so. But but I asked him one time, Baldy, I said, you know, people underestimate your speed because they look at you and then you get out on the field and he's running away from people. Yeah. And he was like, it's always been that way. Like people don't think that I'm fast until we get out there. And then they realize, damn, this guy is fast. So, you know, that's that's what's crazy. To that point, you know, he has the longest run in Cleveland Brown history. It was against the Atlanta Falcons. It was 91. I believe it was 91 yards, Carl. It might be 92, but it was, it's over 90 yards. Longest run in Cleveland Brown history. That's Nick Chubb. I mean, he's got breakaway speed. Yeah, he's incredible. Interesting, Baldy. Great stuff. As always, guys, subscribe, like us. It's in the huddle. We're coming back at you next week. We'll get into some uh, division breakdowns. We're going to start to break down the divisions. So make sure you're here to check us out, guys. All right? Like us and uh, check us out on YouTube and tell your friends about us. Baldy, man, have a great day. Hit them straight, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to go play in Charles' 38th annual golf tournament tomorrow. And that's the idea. Hit them straight. Uh, I hope that I start with the same. I finish with the same number of golf balls that I start with. <laughs> I don't want to lose too many anymore. Yeah, take a couple extra sleeves, will you? Yeah. All right. <laughs> take care, Baldy. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, Paul. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 